Christopher Nolan is in negotiations to write and direct two James Bond movies. The Exorcist Believer takes over the box office in its opening weekend. Guillermo del Toro's Frankenstein gets an update on a surprise casting. Let's get into this week's movie news. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast, and another episode of Movie News where we go through all of the industry news so you don't have to. New trailer releases, announcements, photos, we are going to fill you in on right now. And let's start with the box office. Yeah, we have a new king at the box office, everybody. The Exorcist Believer is now number one at the box office. <laughs> Man, I think you believe. <laughs> at $28 million. It's opening weekend from Blumhouse and Universal, who teamed up on this. And they're planning three films out of this, turning it into a trilogy. It's getting pretty bad reviews. It's the, what, sixth Exorcist movie. Uh, <sighs> yeah, that's, my, that's exactly how I feel about it. Uh, I, but uh, they understand, like, brand recognition is still a big thing. At top of the weekend, $28 million. That's a big, that's a big box office. However, keep in mind, Blumhouse and Universal, they spent... $400 million for the rights to The Exorcist for their upcoming trilogy. So they spent quite a lot of money uh, hoping to make some money off of this trilogy they're invested in. The thing is, and what happened with the Halloween films is after, by the second one came along and, and it wasn't really well received. The third one didn't make that much money. It did okay, but it seems like this film's getting such bad reviews and reactions from audiences that it seems like they might be losing money in the long run because... Who wants to see the sequel to this? And who wants to see the third one of this? Budget was $30 million. So it's opening weekend. It matched its budget. But then so it probably cost about $50 million to make budgeting and marketing. And then $400 million to get the rights. So $450 million in the hole after one movie. We'll see how it does word of mouth. But I think the word of mouth is going to be pretty poor for this film. I'm not really motivated to see it because I adore The Exorcist. And same thing with the last couple Halloween movies. We're not. I was not really into them. I didn't see the last one in theaters. I watched it online. And <laughs> it was turned into a comedy in a lot of ways. I know a lot of people like it, but I am not a believer in David I don't. Gordon. I don't think a lot of people like Exorcist Believer from what I've seen. I saw a lot of bad reactions. But yeah. moving on to more of the box office. Paw Patrol, baby. Paw Patrol is at second place with $11 million. I thought the, the audiences office. would mix for those. <laughs> Paw Patrol, believer. <laughs> Saw X holding in strong at third place with $8.6 million in its second weekend. The Creator pulled in $5.6 million, and The Nun 2 is in fifth place with $2.6 million. So, I mean, horror is the time of year right now, which is still a confusing reason why Dracula movies came out in the spring. In the spring. But, Just, I don't know. Because clearly people want to see horror right now, yeah, and that's why booming. these horror movies are making money. I've watched in the last... Since October started, I've watched six horror films. So, I mean, it just, it's seasonal. Exactly. It's a seasonal it's same mood. You, you watch Christmas movies in December. Exactly. It's, it's a very if seasonal If I'm a studio thing. releasing a Dracula movie, it's coming out in Halloween what time. What about March? <laughs> <laughs> now we have some box office projections for Five Nights at Freddy's, which is a highly anticipated film. This is also Blumhouse, right? Correct. And estimates are pulling a $35 million opening weekend when it opens up 
Halloween weekend, basically the weekend before Halloween. It's on a Tuesday, the yes. 31st. So opening weekend of the 27th, projecting $35 million at the box office. It's looking like it's going to be a big hit for Blumhouse, like massive numbers. And then Dick's the Musical from A24 just got a limited release. There's no box office information at the time of recording, so we can't give you any numbers, but it gets a wide release on October 20th. And I'm sure throughout this week, we'll keep an eye on when there's films in limited release. You can tell... Uh, their projections and healthy estimates based upon how they do for a per theater average. Yeah, but yes and no, because Bottoms had an insanely high per theater That's average, true, yeah. and then it only topped out at $10 million at the box office on a 30-ish million dollar budget. So mm -hmm. yes and no, and same thing with Bo is Afraid. Remember when Bo is Afraid, it had the highest- Broke the record. Yeah, yeah per right. theater yeah, average. Absolutely. He's so absolutely I think, right. I think you're completely wrong, Anthony. <laughs> Man, I was way off. You're, dude, that Bo is Afraid is evidence, nail in the coffin. Yeah. You're totally right. Because I mean, if it's opening up in New York and LA, of course, movie people are going to go see that. And fans of whatever the filmmaker is. But yeah. Bo is Afraid, I'm sure, did not do great in Idaho. <laughs> not saying that people in Idaho don't love yeah, movies. Yeah, people in Idaho hate Ari There's just Aster. less people. Yeah. There's there's like two screens. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's even an IMAX theater in Idaho. Come on. Oh, that's sad. Well, we'll get one there. But don't worry, one Idaho day. listeners. One day. One Let's day. move on to the top <laughs> stories of the week. So we were at a Q&A recently with Guillermo del Toro, and he was talking about Frankenstein, and he actually just cast Christoph Waltz to join the cast with Oscar Isaac, Andrew Garfield, and Mia Goth. We don't know who's going to be playing who yet, but, I mean, it's fun to guess around. I'm guessing Oscar Isaac will be playing Dr. Frankenstein. That's I, my guess. Or Frank or Christoph Waltz. It could be, but, I mean, Oscar Isaac would be a great Dr. Frankenstein. He, it's Yeah, it's, it's interesting to figure out maybe so then Garfield will play Might be the monster. The monster. Yeah. That would be my interesting guess. to see Garfield as a monster. Yeah, I think that would be fun. He's never done anything like that. And it was just announced today that filming will commence in February for the film. Well, he told us at the Q&A last week. He said la he said next year, but it was officially no, he said, announced. he said February. Oh, okay. He's so yeah. then it was at the Q&A. Yeah, so we us. got the scoop early Inside on. Inside scoop. Yeah, we actually saw Pacific Rim at IMAX headquarters with Guillermo for its 10-year anniversary. 3D IMAX. It was awesome. It, it looked, looked so great. good. It looked great. I had so much goddamn fun. It was an epic experience. Then there was like a 45-minute Q&A with Guillermo. He is so cool and funny and inspiring, just full of so much wisdom, not just about filmmaking, but about life and passion. And so it was so cool to hear him talk. And he's so eloquent. And man, what a cool guy. He's a great, great filmmaker. And I'm a huge fan of his. And he, it was a great Q&A. One of my favorite films the last few years is Nightmare Alley. And man, I just, I think that movie was so, it's so underappreciated. And he said that there is an hour of extra footage that he thinks is amazing, that he wishes he could put into Nightmare Alley. Some good footage. Yeah, because he said he was asked about deleted scenes in his films, and he said, all the scenes in all my movies are deleted for a reason, except for Nightmare Alley, where there's an hour of more footage where I wish it could be in there. And he said, maybe one day we can do an extended release with Hulu or something. And I was like, dude, sign me up, because Nightmare Alley is incredible, and then he's just got an amazing career, but he, he seems so insightful, and he was hilarious, and just a, a good personality. He actually extended the interview longer than they scheduled he's like let's keep going let's go another yeah, 15 minutes he's a really awesome person yeah moving on we got some news about the mad max world with the prequel furiosa, furiosa. from george miller and this is gonna get a 2024 can premiere with anya taylor joy playing this prequel version of the action hero furiosa and hemsworth playing the villain 
Yeah, that's right. Whom we know nothing about except he's got a crazy beard. I saw a great video meme, which is like my new style. My new favorite style of memes are the video memes. They're right? great. They're yeah. great. It's a, the, it's <laughs> funny how memes have evolved. <laughs> it was two shots of the desert sequences in Mad Max of one of the shots of like a, a I think what car just going through the desert, and uh-huh. then that great far away shot in the distance, almost mirage like of the war parties yeah, yeah. coming towards camera, super far away. Mm-hmm. But it was Guy Fieri in the foreground. <laughs> yeah, I saw the eyes. And people are passing. This is great. He's got like that red Camaro, right? He's talking. He's the, it's like a red Mustang. And yeah. he's, he's like talking. It's the intro to his show. Yeah. <laughs> like his multiple shots of him driving, talking to the camera on the street. <laughs> so I'm just editing. <laughs> it's great. I got said that like five times. It's so fucking so funny. Good. It's the funniest meme I've ever seen. Like Guy someone Fieri made that in the Mad Max world in his Camaro. Just in the with the war boys, just, yeah. he's driving with the war boys. <laughs> he's like arm out the window, talking about moving, like driving across the country. It's amazing. What's his What's his muscle car? Yeah, it's a Camaro. It's an SS Camaro. Nice. My God, it's so funny. Holy shit, man! I, this is a sick car. But I love driving. I love diners, drivers, and Triple D was the shit, man. That, dude, I was Triple so, D was awesome. We, were, we watched that every day. Addicted to that yeah, show. It was like we watched that. And we would watch Bobby Flay. Um, showdown, with, showdown, but also he had and the grilling show, yeah. yeah, something in grilling, grilling with Bobby Flay, yeah. Iron Chef, obviously. Man vs. Food was awesome. Man vs. Food was good. Yeah, Gianna De Laurentiis. And next up, Chris Rock has just been announced to direct a new Martin Luther King Jr. biopic from executive producer Steven Spielberg. They're looking to get production underway next year to have a release, maybe for Oscar season. So we're looking forward to seeing this. Chris Rock's a very smart guy, so I bet he can make a hell of a movie. Yeah, I'm excited to see this. Now, Taylor Swift is back in the movie news because her concert films, advanced global ticket sales, have surpassed $100 million. <laughs> That's absolutely insane. Crazy. It hasn't even... It's not coming out for another, what, two weeks? <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, next weekend. Yeah. October 13th. Yeah, yeah. Holy crap. And this is... AMC theaters only, or is it all theaters? I believe it's I believe it's AMC. That's insane. What a might be wrong. What a, what a deal AMC made if they get the, all the rights to this. But 8,500 8, theaters worldwide are playing the concert. Projected to make 125 million dollars its opening weekend total. That's crazy. absurd. It's crazy. That's absurd. That's good for theaters, man. It really is it's good awesome for theaters because the studios are like, oh, we didn't make this. <laughs> yeah, they're like, fuck. I wonder how much Taylor's getting a cut of that. It's wild. A lot. <laughs> it's wild how much she's in the news with everything. It, it makes me feel like the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift stuff is just like marketing, even though they might be in love. Who knows? But like, <laughs> it's just like too perfect. And then like the Chiefs have all their stuff going on. It's just what's all the stuff with the Chiefs going on? Well, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well the I, Chiefs. I, I, <laughs> well, I thought you meant there's like more stuff with the Chiefs. Well, going they got on. like their they got like their stuff going on they got like marketing <laughs> stuff going on <laughs> they got a lot of stuff going on they over there of, they got the a lot of attention <laughs> they got a lot of attention over there <laughs> highest jersey sales like for travis kelsey like 400 percent up damn that's crazy the ratings are absurd for chiefs but all and they also put like chiefs like more monday night games so it's just it's like they all they made it they made a, they made a taylor like swift jersey the nfl <laughs> and taylor swift's marketing team and amc they're like all right they're all in this like evil <laughs> oh two weeks before the release Fancy timing right there. That's what I'm saying. Two weeks before That's the... what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what are the odds that that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are coming out publicly 
two weeks before her movie comes out, mm-hmm. it surpasses over $100 million at the global box office pre-sales. So this could be conspiracy theory or it could be true. It's interesting. I think it might be a little bit it's of both. It's fun to talk about. But I think it's. I think there's something to it. I don't know. Maybe there's something may, there. Maybe they just really, really enjoy being in a relationship. They're like, this, pretty I want to support my boyfriend. Pretty good timing. Game. Pretty good timing. Well, I mean... It's, it's pretty good timing. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good timing, everybody. <laughs> Gotta admit, it's pretty, I'm just saying, pretty good timing. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it. Travis Kelsey is exec producer on the concert. <laughs> I, all I'm saying, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it's good timing. <laughs> really good timing. Couldn't wait till the offseason? Swifties are mad you at you right now. Couldn't do it during preseason? I mean, yeah, preseason's not as... It's, it's not sexy. Yeah, it's not, not sexy. They waited like three weeks into the, into the season. Uh, you know... Home game. Monday night. <laughs> interesting theory, man. Very interesting theory. I never said what the theory was. Well, actually, I did kind of. <laughs> All right, moving on to the latest movie trailers that were released this past week. We had a lot of them. Most of them are revenge action movies. So <laughs> John Wick has really changed the climate of Hollywood. <laughs> so we got first up Silent Night, which is John Woo's first American film since 2003. Very exciting stuff. This stars Joel Kinnaman as a mute man. Out for revenge on Christmas Eve. It looks epic. His it actually looks gets, really awesome. His family gets killed by what looks like a, a gang accident, like a drive-by, and mm-hmm. for a year he just preps his revenge. Yeah, he like gets his throat slashed so he can no longer speak, and he trains for this. I think he, he must train for the entire year from that Christmas Eve to the next Christmas Eve is my guess, and it's all out revenge. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I love Joel Kinnaman. He's an awesome actor, and he, he just sells action really well, so... I'm looking forward to this. It's I love John Woo. I got there more. better be some doves in there though. <laughs> there will be. I got more action than my man John Woo. And I got mad hits like I was Rod Carew. Beastie Boys. Nice. Dude. Sabotage. Oh yeah. It's my favorite movie reference in a song ever. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, I saw you tweet that like last week. <laughs> no one cared about that tweet. Well, yeah, it's the Beastie Boys. They're old. <laughs> They're not that old. I mean, well, kind of old. They're old, man. Anyways. She's just too old. Too, you know that Mista Mista lady? Yeah, I think it killed her. <laughs> Moving on to another trailer of Leave the World Behind, starring Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke, and Kevin Bacon. Now, this is a movie that we talked about like a year ago on yeah. Movie News, where there's this upcoming apocalypse, this mystery event, where so Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke live at home in this beautiful home, and then Mahershala Ali and his wife, the characters, they come to their home seeking refuge and they're kind of like, we have to wait this out together. And then lots of interesting social dynamics and hierarchical dynamics affect the couples as they're trying to stay and live together in this home. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it looks like a really cool trailer. Um, Sam Esmail, Esmail uh, the creator and um, producer of, Bad, of uh, Mr. Robot. Okay. So super talented guy. Yeah. So it looks really interesting. Pretty big world stakes and... I've never seen anything, him do anything this big before, so the scope of it looks really cool. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. It looks pretty badass. Great yeah. CGI. All right, next up. I feel like the uh, like disaster movies kind of slowed down lately. Don't you think? Did they? Yeah, I haven't seen many disaster movies come out. Like There was Geostorm last year with Gerard Butler, and that was like it. They were like really hot in the early 2010s. Moonfall. Yeah, Moonfall. Moonfall. I mean, yeah, they were hot for a they while. They were so hot for a while. They were. Hansel, so hot right now. <laughs> Disaster movies. Disaster movies. Hansel. <laughs> Next up, we got the most ridiculous trailer of the day. The Beekeeper. Now, if I told you this movie was called Beekeeper, 
What would you think this movie was about? About someone who takes care of be- takes care of bees. There is a little bit of that. This is actually a revenge action movie starring Jason Statham. Sign me up. <laughs> Directed by David Ayer. Inject it. So he plays he plays like a, a former special ops agent or something. You know, like the archetype. Yeah, he's done it like seventeen yeah. times. It's always great. <laughs> yeah, but he's retired and he's a beekeeper now. He lives in peace. But then his friend, his neighbor. Uh, is driven to suicide because she's ripped off by the scamming company that takes all all of her money away. And so then he gets revenge on the scam company, takes them all out, but then discovers that they're part of a huge evil corporate conspiracy. So then he starts taking out everyone. Nice. Yeah. David Ayer's first film since, like, in a while, I feel like. Yeah, what was the last movie he made? He made Bright, right? Um, I think he did For something Netflix? after that. I'm not sure. I think it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Thanks for that. <laughs> we got another trailer for a film called It's a Wonderful Knife. This is a horror Christmas slasher. <laughs> Obviously punning on I like that It's title. a Wonderful Life. I think that's great. The trailer looks <laughs> Fine. It's what you expect. Generic yeah. horror movie of the 2020s. They all kind of look the same with these like slashers that are like made by Netflix, I guess. <laughs> um, it looks like a movie for sure. And um, what's his name? Justin Long's in it. He's, he's got all, fake all teeth. And he looks really interesting. It's all about the horror. Yeah, he's 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 like a scream queen guy. Scream yeah. king. Yeah, he's a scream king. He's, he's in like, the Goosebumps show too. That's right. He's in a bunch of yeah, horror movies. Barbarian. Though. Barbarian. Drag me Jeepers to hell. Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, Jeepers Creepers. He's in a. Uh, uh, the the one where he gets turned into a the Kevin Smith one. What's it called? He gets turned into like oh, an animal. Oh, what's, it oh, what's it? <laughs> Tusk. Tusk. Yeah, yeah. That's like seven horror movies he's been in. Yeah, he's, he, he is. Justin Long is a horror king. No, he's he's a scream king. Scream king. He's Justin a scream Long. King. Scream king. Scream king. Slay. I mean, he's a, he's a final boy in, in Tusk. I wouldn't call him a boy anymore. <laughs> he's something in there. He's somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> Some more trailers. What we got? We got Rumble Through the Dark. This is about a cage fighter fighting to pay back debts to a local gangster, starring Aaron Eckhart and Bella Thorne. Aaron Eckhart plays this like run of the mill Bella Thorne. Bella Thorne. All right. Yeah. Do you, do you love her stuff or? No, I haven't seen her in anything in a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got so excited. I was no, like, that's why I was like, I was like, did I hear that right? <laughs> yeah, indeed. And um, he plays this guy who owes a lot of money to a local gangster, and he's a former cage fighter. And he, he begins a relationship with a, a woman and her daughter. Um, and however, because of his debts, he has to go back to cage fighting, and it's very dangerous. It, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. Cool. It looks pretty violent. Final trailer to talk about is Amazon's TV series 007 Road to a Million. The reality show? Yes. Ugh. So this is where uh, the the beginning of the bastardization of James Bond, the IPA, the IP after Amazon bought it, where now there's going to be a reality TV show where it's sort of I guess like Big Brother or Fear Factor kind Scr- of The Amazing Race. Yeah, yeah, like those where there are teams that have to get put in these scenarios that are James Bond-esque adventure-level stuff, and it's to win a million pounds. However, I feel like a, a million pounds isn't that much money anymore. They're still doing the or same prize bucks. money as 20 years ago. Yeah, like twenty, like a million dollars in 2000. Like, who wants to be a millionaire? Dude, that's a lot of money. But now in 2023, it's like, nah, it's not you that are, much. you're not even rich. You're like the poorest rich person that's ever. like that's like if, if the show was who wants to be a two two hundred thousand heir yeah exactly <laughs> is it worth it i guess 
Who wants to be a millionaire? It's still a million dollars. It's that's still taxed. the prize money. Like you're gonna lose twenty percent of it. They're to gonna taxes. Lose, they're losing money on this. You're gonna end up if you win. You're gonna not only you're gonna win like six hundred grand, but then you have to split it, and then everything you freaking buy is gonna get taxed, and then you're gonna enter a different tax bracket for a year, and you're gonna be screwed, you're gonna fucked. So you're gonna make like a hundred grand if you win this show, <laughs> and then you can what? Shop at a couple stores. Fucking government, man. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Government the, the, and inflation. They're still doing prize money of a million. It's not even that much anymore. It's a scam, dude. It really is. <laughs> oh my god. It sounds like a lot. It's still gonna be a million in twenty years. Who wants to be a millionaire? It's because it's so it's so catchy. It's a sexy name. It is a sexy. Millionaire. Million. Million. Oh, million. It's not even that much. Not anymore. Inflation, bro. <laughs> a million bucks twenty years ago. Yeah, that's cool. But you know it's cool. A billion. <laughs> also, I mean, Brian Cox is the host of this show. We're not. Well, technically, kind of like the host. He's sort of like the behind the scenes. He's supposed to play the Bond villain in a lot of ways, preventing them from winning. Sort of. I, this sounds horrible. It's... <laughs> what? <laughs> Brian Cox is the villain trying to stop them? Kind of. What is going on? I'm Man. not, yeah, not going to watch In Fleming. It. Turning in his grave. I, Wait, you did what to my show? A reality competition my... show based upon James Bond. It's just going to hurt the value of the character in the IP, in my Absolutely, opinion. Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure people will like it. I'm sure it'll be fun, but I care about James Bond, the IP, and the movies, and... This is just the start. Speaking of James this Bond, is the start. Like, Speaking of well, though, but this is the start of then what's going to be next? Another show or another thing like that? I forgot to add to the document. Speaking of, we all heard the rumors that Christopher Nolan is apparently in negotiations to direct two James Bond films, and his plan is to make them period pieces and make them very loyal to the to the novels. I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. That would be so. It cool. really would. And I would love to see him, like, do another IP where he get, like, sequels because the Dark Knight trilogy is so incredible. The more Nolan, the better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, staying in the same world with the same characters, I think he's so great because, I mean, the Dark Knight is one of the best sequels of all time. However, I, I really hope it happens, but at the same time, it's Amazon. Will they give Nolan complete creative control? Because he demands creative control, so, and that's what he gets. It's not Amazon with the films. It's still uh, Barbara Broccoli. But still MGM. Yeah, no, MGM wasn't completely bought by Amazon. Amazon bought the the TV rights to James Bond, but they bought MGM. But they 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 don't control the the film production. Gotcha. Barbara Broccoli is still in control of the films, so Amazon has nothing to do with movie adaptations. Amazon well, funding bought, it. Yeah, Amazon bought the IP for the to make stuff to make content for Amazon Prime. But in terms of film releases. No involvement. So besides the money, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't believe so. I believe they did a partial buy of properties and IPs that MGM owns. Let but, me let me look, but not a complete way. buy. But the film adaptations, it's still Barbara Broccoli's overseeing them and calling the shots. So Christopher Nolan wouldn't have to worry about any kind of studio oversight, especially from Amazon Prime. Well, I mean, this is saying right now, Amazon closed an $8.5 billion deal to purchase MGM Studios, giving it control over franchises like Rocky and James Bond. But but they don't, but they MGM didn't have complete control of Bond. It's still Barbara Broccoli so owns... Okay, so it's, it's Dan Jack LLC. Yes. They co-own the rights to the property of James Bond. And there's a difference between TV rights... EON Productions. Yes, so there's television rights and then there's film rights. She and her company still are in charge of the film productions of James Bond franchises. So Amazon won't have any involvement. That's good to know because yeah. she's 
done a great job with. Yeah, I mean, she's been she's over. been making great decisions since she took over the last twenty. So years. Amazon owns fifty percent of of James Bond. <clears throat> yes, but not, and the other half is remaining owned owned by Brock Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson. Yes, by sibling their siblings. So, so you don't have to worry about it. Okay. Plus, Nolan, Nolan would never do something if he didn't have complete That's control. What I mean, yeah, he has he has final cut on everything, and he has uh, he's got the director's cut on everything. So it's even if it was an Amazon movie, they'd be like, "Here you go, take the money." And you bet your butt it's not going to get put on Amazon Prime for no at way. least a year. No way. So if if that's true, with Nolan in the rumors and him making two films for Bond. He would have complete control. Barbara Broccoli and, and company, I'm sure, would be like, we would love for the greatest modern director who is a massive fan of the franchise to make movies for us. That would be – that's the ideal situation for them. Absolutely. Especially with the reinvention. Maybe they want to do like – maybe they still what's, – what's possible is maybe they're still trying to figure out how to do a contemporary – a new version of the contemporary Bond. And maybe this could give them like 10 years to figure that out. Mm-hmm. While Nolan does an old school Bond, period setting – he can do that. It'll be its own thing for two movies. And then when he's done, they can be like, okay, now we know what we want to do for a contemporary version of, of post-Craig. Man, I can only imagine what a Nolan James Bond would look like. I cannot wait. And a I period hope, piece! I hope it happens. I really do. Holy shit, Because man. he adores James Bond. He adores the character in the movies. So you know he'd do it so well. He'd do it so right. And he'd really put his fingerprint on it so in such incredible ways. It's great. Let's get into some miscellaneous film news this week. Martin Scorsese and his daughter Francesca are pretty active on social media. It's pretty fun to see her be so social with him and like share these, this side of him with the world on TikTok and Instagram. And they did a really fun father-daughter video on TikTok where she was quizzing Martin on slang of our world, our era, this time period, which is a lot of fun. And it was just very delightful to watch and hysterical. It's really funny. Plus, she has like a voice filter on, so they sound pretty silly. Like almost the squeaky like, voice. Yeah, like, like sucked on helium or something. But it's yeah. it's a it's a lot of fun. It's still like a five minute video too. It's it's really charming. And <laughs> he got a couple of slang terms right, but then he got a few. He, like there's sometimes even I would didn't know what a couple were. Some of them were t- easy and kind of generational, like yeah. tea, like t- spilling the tea. But then there were some where like, what does it mean if you ate? Like she ate that outfit. <laughs> <laughs> He said she devoured the screen. (laughs) And then for all of you Marvel Disney fans, Loki season two has just premiered and it's getting solid reactions from fans all over the world and online. Um, I haven't seen, I haven't finished the first season. And then Ahsoka had season finale and it's getting very mixed reviews. Rotten Tomato scores are very high. And but I've watched a lot of videos and a lot of reactions from Star Wars fans. However, you know Star Wars fans are Star Wars fans, so they hate their stuff. But at the same time, some people love it. Some people did not like the ending. I haven't watched it at all, but it's. it's I saw that like a bunch of our friends and then just a bunch of people online were very disappointed with the ending. Mm-hmm. I was like, "You surprised? It's Disney Plus TV yeah. show, man." I heard that in the middle of the season, it was supposed to be pretty good, like episodes four to six, but then it had a tail off at the end. Just the hating episodes, yeah. Yeah, but if you're into that stuff, check it out. If you, check it out, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. If you're into that stuff, check I'm it trying, out. I'm trying to sound nice. They've already watched it, man. I'm trying to sound nice. <laughs> if they're into it, they've already seen Let's it. Let's move on to some movie stuff. Uh, the upcoming... Hulk Hogan story uh, with Chris Hemsworth and Todd Phillips attached is hitting a snag. So Netflix had owned the rights to Hulk Hogan's story, and it was planned to have Todd Phillips direct Chris Hemsworth in the role. 
However, Netflix never greenlit the project, so they lost the rights to Hulk Hogan's life. And also another movie that hit a roadblock, Luca Guadagnino was going to make an Audrey Hepburn biopic starring Rooney Mara that oh, has no. completely fell through. It's not getting made anymore. That's awful. Yeah. I was really excited for that. Me too. That would have been great. Speaking of Hulk Hogan, he said that, unfortunately, they didn't move forward with it, so they lost the rights, but he's passed the rights on to a new studio. Let's go, brother! And he hopes, it's not cons- it's not confirmed yet, but he hopes that Hemsworth and Phillips still want to move forward with it. I mean, who else would do it besides Chris Hemsworth? Like, it it's has gotta to, be it Hemsworth. has to be Hemsworth. If it's not him, there's no point in making the movie. I know. It has I agree. to be Hemsworth. I completely agree. I'd be so down for it, too. I, I mean, it's yeah, with Todd Phillips making it, that'd Probably be really cool. Probably got a great cool. idea yeah. to approach it. Moving on, we got a post, speaking of biceps and shirtless guys <laughs> a poster for the iron claw finally came out now this is this is also a wrestling film right yes between a bunch of brothers and friends that are in a wrestling group and starring jeremy allen white zach efron finally got a poster of it i don't really know much about the story but i'm very enticed to see it i like a lot of the actors in this movie and i'm sure we'll get a trailer very soon next up we got the first images I didn't know about this show. It's a World War II pilot miniseries coming out on Apple TV, produced by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks, starring Austin Butler, Barry Keoghan, and Caleb Turner, who was recently in the Fantastic Beasts films as Newt's brother. They're all playing World War II fighter pilots, and I'm expecting a trailer this week since they just dropped the first images. This sounds awesome. Sign me up. They look so cool in their outfits and costumes, like Barry Keoghan and Austin Butler. In the pilot outfits, I'm like, dude, just give me the give me the show right now. I would like the show, please. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a, it looks really interesting, and the story's fascinating too. It's obviously during World War II, and it's about uh, bombers that were going after the Third Reich. Oh wow, man, this is awesome. Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah, and I it mean, comes out on Apple TV in January. Spielberg and Hanks in their World War II dramas, man, in World War One dramas. They're so the masters of those miniseries. Yeah. So we were actually recently talking about Las Vegas' Sphere, which is the new theatrical exhi- exhibition format in Las Vegas. It's this gigantic sphere with immersive filmmaking. 160,000 square foot, and it's a 16K LED. It's really fascinating. They they unveiled it last year during the, during the last NBA playoffs. Uh-huh. It was insane. It looks so fake because it looks so real, and like it's just there it's insane the sphere it's one of the most interesting things that people have built in the last like 20 years because a lot of architecture is just so bland nowadays nothing really incredible it's is, fucking bland there's nothing new ever made it's that's all like blocky. fascinating and really in- interesting it's because things are made economically cheaply fastly yeah and so it's all just blocks but this sphere in vegas look it up on on youtube tiktok instagram it's mind-blowing how insane it is now darren aronofsky actually just released the first film ever made for the sphere he's shot it specifically for this format, and he actually worked with Oppenheimer's editor. He wrote, It's really a different medium because of the immersive nature of all the images that you can create and how it translates to the viewer. He says it. he's comparing it to the Lumiere brothers' short, The Arrival of the Train. So this is actually pretty cool to hear from such an established filmmaker that he thinks it's that big of a, a jump forward for the medium of theatrical ex- exhibition. And... I'm looking forward to it. If I ever go to Vegas, I'm definitely going to try and book something there. But the, uh, from what I saw from footage and images, the screen, it's just massive. It's it, in, enormous. It's impossibly big. It, and they actually put together um, several red cameras at first to shoot footage, but then they 
got a camera developed. It's a 16K camera that was developed specifically for shooting for the sphere. It's wild. So the screens are on the inside and outside, mm -hmm. exterior and, and interior of the sphere. The exterior is for advertising. So you can pay, I think it's like $450,000 to advertise whatever you oh want God. for a day. It's incredible. And then they also just put up random incredible imagery. So like, it's just like in the middle of the Vegas, this giant glowing orb of high resolution, but mm -hmm. inside is insane resolution. And I mean, 360 filmmaking and 360 movies are going to be a, a format and medium of the future tossing in VR. So it's really, it's going to be really interesting. And I think we're just at like the early stages of that of 3D movies being released where you're going to go see a movie and you'll be able to be completely immersed in it 360 and look all over the place yeah i mean and the the screen goes behind your head it's so it just goes envelops you so it's uh, interesting the cutting edge of theatrical exhi exhibition because that's the survival of theatrical um future Fu theatrics future is making something that you can never get at home new mediums in yeah. general just new mediums in general get people to be enticed to be like i have to go see this in a theater because there's no other way to experience it sounds expensive though yeah <laughs> to make <laughs> <laughs> next up we got more more new images for an upcoming film the boys in the boat this is george clooney's next directorial effort starring joel edgerton it's based on the true story of the university of washington's 1936 rowing team who were the underdogs of their school they eventually beat their school seniors and then defeated the nazis in in person at an event that hitler himself attended yeah so we actually talked about this a couple months ago and finally got our first images of it. It's going to be really fascinating to movie movie to watch because this is when Germany hosted the Olympics in 1936, and it was obviously Nazi Germany at the time, before right before World War II. So I'm really curious to see this film and to see how uh, George Clooney approaches it. Yeah, he can be a great director. Some shade there. He's got a couple of misfires. He bro. does have a couple of duds. He's got a couple of duds. But he's got some great ones. I mean, yeah. Ides of March is awesome. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is awesome. Good Night, Good Luck is awesome. But he's made a couple that I mean, Monuments Men. Monuments Men's not that great. Yeah. I was a little disappointed by that movie. And also... They had um, a great trailer. <laughs> his last one was... What was it? The um, With Matt Damon and Julian Moore. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Oscar Isaac. It was bad. Anyways. That's why. Moving on. Beetlejuice. 35-year anniversary is coming up. It's getting a release in theaters on October 18th. Don't miss it. And don't miss checking out this Halloween classic starring Winona Ryder, Michael Keaton, Gina Davis, Alec Baldwin, Catherine O'Hara and more. Suburbicon is what it was called. Suburbicon, Suburbicon. yes, that's the one. It took me a second. Not a huge fan of it. Now, there's an upcoming adaptation for a beloved novel that I think everybody reads when they're in elementary school. 100%. The, the Alchemist. <laughs> the Alchemist is a legendary book. If you haven't read it, check it out. It's a wonderful novel. It's finally getting adapted by TriStar and Legendary. This could be a huge thing. This could be a really great movie, so I'm looking forward to seeing... Going forward, who's announced to make it, who's going to be acting in it, and eventually the first look at it. It's a great project. It's a generational book. You know, Absolutely. We read this, and we were born in the 90s, but, I mean, people who, came, who were – this is a huge Everyone should read this book, yeah. Huge hit. Yeah. And final bit of news, Point Break, Catherine Bigelow's masterpiece from <laughs> 1990, right? Was it 90? 94. 94? No, it, it wasn't 94. 92. Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. I think it's 19. Get to the story. <laughs> <laughs> Has been remastered onto 4K UHD and Blu-ray just in time for the holidays. So you might have to get your hands on this because... 1991. It, 91. It's a classic. Now, we actually we, we do stories about Blu-ray and 4K UHD releases because 
when you watch a movie on streaming, even if it's 4K, it's not properly remastered. It's done by the app. And basically, they, they do it the, the way they want to do it. 4K remasters and Blu-ray remasters are done by the filmmakers and actual real post-production teams. And they do it to make it as high quality as possible, but also to still suit the vision of the filmmaker and what the theatrical release was. This is the difference. You're getting the filmmaker's preferred version of the film as opposed to watching on Netflix, which is like the Netflix version. So when it's remastered on 4K and Blu-ray, you're getting the Catherine Bigelow version of what she, how she wants you to watch her film, how these filmmakers released it, because you lose that quality and the style based upon streaming apps and then televisions. Whatever setting you have on your television, but when you when you put it on the 4K, UHD or the Blu-ray, you're getting the 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 greatest version of that film. It's like when we saw Pacific Rim. That movie wasn't originally made for 3D, but then after it came out, Guillermo was talking about how they spent over a hundred days making it for 3D. And he's great friends with James Cameron. He's like James Cameron would have been very upset if I didn't spend that much time, <laughs> but he was involved real post-production process turning that movie into a 3D film. Mm. And it looked incredible, but the same kind of concept. Yeah, so that's why for movies you love, it's always a great idea to get the Blu-ray or the 4K UHD for like your favorite movies. I know it's a little pricey and it might be available on Max, but with this physical copy, you're getting the greatest version of the film. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, that wraps movie news for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Recent episodes on Wednesday, we did an incredible episode on Blade Runner 2049. Tomorrow, we're doing a sensational episode on a fan fiction we created called The Marauders, based off The Marauders at Hogwarts. What was life for them? We basically came up with a TV series following James, Sirius, Peter, Remus, as well as Lily and Snape. We have Voldemort's coming in, Dumbledore's there, Lucius Malfoy, Regulus Black, R.A.B.'s in the picture. It's so much fun. We came up with an hour and a half of breaking down what we would do if we had the budget to make a TV show, and we ran through three seasons of television that we basically outlined, as well as awesome ideas and characters, and goodness, it's going to be fun. You don't want to miss it. It's honestly one of the favorite things we've ever done. Yeah. So, The Marauders, a Hogwarts fan fiction from Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Don't miss it tomorrow. We also dressed up for it. Yeah, it's fun. And then, our short film, Midnight Ruin, is coming out on Thursday. So, be sure to stay tuned for that. It's going to get released on YouTube, on our YouTube page, on Thursday the 12th at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We hope that you can watch it, watch it with us, and even rate it on Letterboxd and IMDb. It's only 18 minutes. Yeah. And we'll do some live videos when it's dropping so we can chat with y'all. And also on Wednesday, we're going to do some horror movies, so stay tuned for some spooky stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care, everybody. See you next time. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button as well, notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.